Amen, amen. Well, thank you. Make some noise for worship team. Thank you for leading us into the presence of the Lord. We are grateful and blessed. You guys do know that it is a privilege to go into the presence of the Lord every week um, without fear. It's not awarded to everyone to be able to do that. You know that you are, and we've seen in the past few weeks in our study um, in Ephesians that God is the one that is attracting us, attracting us to him. So if you're in the presence of God this morning, it's because God wanted you to be here. So make some noise for the Lord if you're grateful to be in his house. As you know, and if you grew up in this church, you know that today is Palm Sunday, right? And if you grew up in this church as a kid, you probably were with Sevigier with the palms and, and, and at some point in your life and come in the church and doing that celebration. Can I get a amen? Anybody, that's your story, right? And, um, and so we go to those events every, every year. But do we spend some time to understand what they mean? The, um, I'm going to ask you to read with me in John chapter 12, verse 9 to 19. John chapter 12, verse 9 to 19. Earlier we, we read the version in the book of Luke, but the message today is going to be in the book of, of John. And so if you would follow with me, it says, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on the donkey's coat. At first his disciples did not understand all this, only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Father God, your word is already blessed. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in Montreal, there was an artist, a Haitian artist called Luc Merville. It's probably the only, when I was growing up, the only Haitian artist of a certain prominence. And he had a song called Solitude dans la foule. He had a song called uh, Alone in the Crowd. Um, I hope you can understand that the fact that you have a crowd of people together doesn't mean that everybody's the same. So he, here even, uh, we're all from, as far as I can tell, Haitian origin, but we're very different 
people. We have people from different generations. We have people from different um, um, cultural backgrounds in the sense. Some that grew up here in America, others that grew up in Haiti, myself that grew up in Canada. So we have all sorts of different stories, different economic levels. So you can be in the same crowd, but you have different people. And in this story, we have a story of a crowd, but in the crowd, there's, there are different, different individuals, different people. And the story, we say it every year, and one thing I don't think we realize is, when you read scripture in John chapter 12, John chapter 12 to the end of the book is one week. Is one week of time. So from chapter 12, and if my memory serves me well, chapter 21, I want to say, it is one week. And that's Passover week. And Jesus is coming, and it's a time of celebration. And uh, the crowd gathers around, and they're celebrating the coming king, but not everybody is celebrating at that time, right? Uh, and, and looming in that story, and what we read a little earlier than when he comes, is because the first person that looms in the crowd is, is Lazarus, right? Where Lazarus, um, if you follow with me, chapter, um, verse 9 to verse 11, it says, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there. There is Bethany, where Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, where they live. So Jesus is with them, um, and people had heard that Lazarus was dead, and Jesus brought him back from the dead. And that's John chapter 11. So when they heard that Jesus was there, they came. But then he says, not only because of him, Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead, for an account, and then we jump to verse 11, for an account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So Lazarus' presence in that whole story is significant because people now are gathering around not to see Jesus only, but to see Lazarus. One of the most troubling verses of the Bible to me is when Jesus says to his disciples it is better for you that I leave can you imagine this you're with Jesus the Messiah the King of Kings the Lord of Lords and he's right there in presence with you physically and he tells you it is better for me to leave it's better for you for me to leave how would that make sense why would it be better for Jesus to leave? And then he says, it's because if I don't leave, you cannot have the Holy Spirit. Later in the chapter, um, there are Greek people that come and they say they want to see Jesus. And Jesus goes and says, you know, when they, they come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, Greek people want to see you. Jesus has this way, you ask him a question, but he answers something totally different. They tell him, Greeks want to see you, and Jesus goes and says, well, I'm about to go die. Well, Jesus, how does that make sense? How does that relate to the Greeks? 
Well, it relates to the Greeks because when Jesus would die and then he would rise, something special would happen. He would send his Holy Spirit and his disciples will go all over the world. So back at that time, if you wanted to see Jesus, you had to go to Israel to see him. Now, if you want to see Jesus, all you have to do is find a church. Because Jesus is in each and every one of his disciples. So if you go to China right now, even though China is a closed communist country, you have a hundred million Jesuses over there. Because you have a hundred million Jesus. If you come to America, you're going to have similar numbers of people. Even though it's not a godly country, you do have a people that serve him. So now anytime somebody wants to see Jesus, all they have to do is find a follower of Christ and then they can see Jesus through him. And Lazarus, having received the blessing of being risen from the dead, now because he is a recipient of God's blessing, now he becomes a messenger of God and he's bringing people to Jesus because people now see the works of Christ in his life. Let me ask you, can people see the works of Christ in your life? Can people see in you somebody that's been risen from the dead? Because you know we were all spiritually dead. And, and, and I don't know if I have somebody here who through your life you went through such hardship that you were brought to the brink and you're looking over the cliff and you feel like you're going to fall in the cliff and then at the last moment, at the key moment in time, Jesus stepped in and brought you back from the brink. Maybe you find yourself and emotionally you were, you were like Lazarus, you were in the tomb. Maybe you went through depression. Maybe you went through financial crisis and, and you couldn't handle it. But at the nick of time, when everybody said the story is over, it, it, like Lazarus, they said, no, don't bother. He is done. Don't bother the master. But Jesus went and said, Lazarus, come out. Maybe I have somebody here that God told you, Dave, come out. Your, your situation was on the brink, but Jesus brought you back. And your mess becomes your message. And now, when people see you, they see somebody, something different. Your whole friends from school that you used to hang out and do, do stupidities with, now they see you and say, you're different. We, we, like, like, you ever had this situation where your old friend tried to do something, something bad, but then you come and then they stop? Because they know something is different with you. Lazarus received a blessing from God. But now look at what the text says. Verse 10. It says, so Jesus did something good. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He, he gave a man a second chance at life. And you would think that everybody's happy. But guess what? Everybody's not happy. How many people know favor comes with haters? How many people know, you know, when you got favor, you also got haters, amen? Verse 10 says, so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. So they already had plans to kill Jesus, but now when they see that Lazarus is representing Jesus, that Lazarus is doing a good job bringing people to Christ, now, it's not sufficient for them to kill Jesus. They want to kill Lazarus too. You know that somebody, they, they, they hate you, but the only reason they hate you is because they hate Jesus. And because they hate Jesus, they hate you too. 
You ever had, as soon as you get favor from God, you also get haters from the devil. The devil has his command center and he sees favor from God coming down and he says, haters your way. If you're a professional and, and you go to work and God shows you favor at work, I want to give you a warning. The same people that are laughing with you in the lunchroom are the same people talking in your back when you're in the bathroom. The same people that are, yeah, good job, but in their hearts, they're mad. Right? Because they don't want to see you having favor and they're jealous that God is showing you favor over them. So if you're a nurse and you go and, and, and you have the patient and you see the patient as somebody that is made in the image of God and you take care of the patient and the patient comes back and says, oh, nurse so-and-so, thank you so much, you've been great. The other nurse that was treating them like trash, now she's going to feel some type of way. And then there she's going to now if she has the opportunity to take you down, she's going to take you down. So that's why when you go to work, you be nice to everybody, but you don't trust everybody. You don't trust everybody. You know, you be nice. You be, you represent Christ. So you show the kindness of Christ. You show the, the love of Christ. You show the, the work ethic of Christ. But not everybody needs to know your business. Because the same people that are laughing with you, when they get the chance, they're going to take you down. And Lazarus, they're trying to take him down. Lazarus did nothing wrong, but he tried to take him down. You know, if you're a child and your father gives you a coat of many colors, know that you have brothers that are going to throw you in the pit and say, sell, sell you to slavery. If you're like Daniel and you're working for the government and you make a great job, guess what? They're going to go as far as changing the laws so they can take you and, and send you in the lion's den. But understand this, you serve a God that can shut the muscle lions, amen. So you don't need to worry about all of that. All you need to worry about is, is to walk with Christ. Is to be faithful to Christ. And so you have Lazarus that, that, that received the blessing of Christ and now he's expressing the blessing of Christ and he, 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 he's a, the, now the messenger of Christ in a sense and people coming to Christ. But then you have the Pharisees and the Pharisees they can't stand Christ. Now the Pharisees are the religious people. But I want to make something clear. The problem is not the religious people. Because if you look in the book of Acts, you have Cornelius. Cornelius was a religious person. And then God said, you know what? I, I, I will send you Peter so that you can get a better understanding on how to get to me. And then he said Peter and Peter preached to him the gospel and Cornelius the Italian received Christ and before that he had the Ethiopian and he was reading scripture that he didn't understand so the Holy Spirit sent Philip so that the Ethiopian could, could understand how to be saved in Jesus Christ so being religious is not the problem the problem is being self-righteous and the Pharisees were self-righteous they thought they had it all and the problem is instead of being instruments of like their job was supposed to them connect people to God they use God to collect from people so they were in this for themselves they were in quote-unquote ministry for their own belly for their own economic advantage and when they saw that people were going from them to Jesus now understand this they're going from them to Jesus, I mean, they're getting closer to God, so they should be happy that they're getting closer to God, but now they're mad. 
You know that this world will be mad. If you're like a lukewarm Christian, they're good. They're good. But if you're a Christian that believes in the word, guess what? They're going to be mad at you. They're going to be mad at you. So that's why you see the Christians in the culture that are celebrated. They don't speak the full truth. They only speak half the truth. Right? They speak the, the fun truth. Right? So you have Lazarus, you have the Pharisees, and then you have, you have the crowd. And the crowd, if you follow with me, in um, verse 12, it says, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Right? So you have the crowd. And they think that Jesus that is coming. They think that he's coming to deliver them from the Roman Empire. Right? Because they saw that he... And, 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 and in a lot of what, how they feel, they're right. Because they see Jesus as the king. And yes, Jesus is the king. And they experienced... The good side of Jesus, right? They experienced when they were hungry, he gave them food. When they were, when they were sick, he healed the sick. And, and then some of them, when they were dead, they got raised from the dead. And so they experienced the good side of Jesus, the positive side. So he's coming to town and they're celebrating and they're happy. You know, the crowd is okay with the good side of Christ. They're okay with the good side of Christ. There's a verse that says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the communion of his suffering. They're okay with knowing Christ with the power of resurrection, right? With the good stuff. But how many people want to know Christ in the communion of his sufferings? How many people want to suffer with Christ? I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I got issues with that verse. Because I, I, I don't want to die on the cross. You want to die on the cross. You want them to put the nails in, in your... No, I, I don't want to die on, on the cross. And the crowd is like that where they're okay with celebrating Christ for, for, for the good things. And, and they, they use, they say, and, and, and it's not bad, right? They, they, the crowd actually knows scripture more than, than our, our crowd, right? Because they, what they're singing actually comes from scripture. They say, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed thee. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna is a word that means rescue us. It means rescue us. You ever been in a situation where you don't know what to do? You don't know what to do and, and you're, you're, you're at your wit's end and all you can do is say, help, God help. That's what Hosanna means. Hosanna means Rescue us now, we pray. Rescue us now, we pray. But over time, and in this passage, what used to be a cry of desperation has been transformed into a cry of joy and rejoicing. How many people know that when the Messiah comes and when Christ answers your prayer, what used to cause you trouble now is a subject of joy? Right? Um, so let me put it this way. There's a point in your life when the phone rings and you don't pick up because it's the bank. Amen. 
You know, the phone rings and you let it pick up. You don't, you, don't, you pretend like you're missing the call because you know it's the bank. But if you trust God enough, trust God can flip it around so that next time the phone rings, you're running to the phone to pick it up because it's the bank. Amen. Because God can flip your story around. And, and, and in that situation, they know that, okay, you know what? We're under oppression from the Roman Empire, but with the Messiah coming, he's going to flip it around. And I believe there's a song that says, right, he's going to turn it around, right? He's going to turn it around. So your situation with Christ crying, Hosanna, rescue us, he can take your cry of desperation and turn it to a cry of joy because we serve a miracle working God. We work a God that can make miracles, and I don't know what situation you're in, but there's no situation that is too deep that my God cannot reach you in. There is no situation that is too big that my God cannot handle it. That's why when David went against Goliath, they said, oh, David, uh, the giant is too big for you. And David said, no, my God is too big for the giant. And he went and he slayed the giant in the name of Jehovah the Lord. Because we serve a God that can flip the story around. But the problem that the crowd has is that they misunderstood the mission. Is they thought Jesus was going to come and deliver them from the Roman Empire. But Jesus was coming to deliver them from the devil's empire. They thought they were going to coming for a physical enemy. But he was coming against a bigger enemy which is death. Now where is the Roman Empire today? It's long gone, but death is still defeated by the power of Jesus Christ every day. Every day somebody receives Christ, the power of death is defeated and there's a party in heaven. Understand that every time, so like this morning at service, they had people come to, save, come to be saved. So that means there was a party in heaven and then the devil was rolling in his grave. Because Jesus still saves today. And that's what he came to do. He came to defeat the works of the enemy. So they were celebrating him on Sunday. But then what would happen on Friday? Now, I don't know if it's the same people, but there was a crowd shouting, Blessed is the name of the Lord. Yay! On Sunday. But on Friday, they were screaming, crucify him. They were screaming, crucify him, crucify him. Now understand this, the same people are cheering for you today. They're, mm -hmm. they're the same people that can crucify you tomorrow. That's why the Bible says, don't put your trust in men. Put your trust in God. Right? Somebody comes to you and they give you a compliment. They say, oh, great job. You just say, thank you, praise God. But don't get too big. Don't get too excited. Because that same person, they can come... Come Friday, they can scream, crucify you. And that's it. The crowd. And, and the crowd is feeding. The crowd is feeding. Um, but they had knowledge. Because the passage where they scream, that comes from Psalm 119, verse 25. Psalm 119, verse 25 to 27. And that tells us the meaning of the word Hosanna. He says, verse 25, says, save us, we pray. Oh Lord, that is Hosanna. That's what it means. Save us, we pray, oh Lord. We pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. 
But there verse 27. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us, bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. The other person in the crowd is Jesus. And Jesus is coming, and the crowd is celebrating him, right? They're celebrating him. But you get a sense that Jesus his heart, like we would say in Creole, quel pose, right? He, he's relaxed. He, he's not in the hype. You know, for those of you who watch sports, you know, um, when a team win, wins the NBA Finals, they have the parade, right? When they win the World Cup, you have a parade. And then you see all the celebration and, oh, Miami Heat, yeah! And then you see all the athletes, they're feeling themselves like, yeah, we did this, yeah! But guess what? Next year, it's done. And then your team goes. But Jesus, you don't get a sense that he's feeling himself. He's very, very calm in that moment. Why? Because he knows fully well what is about to go down. He knows fully well what is about to go down. If we go a little bit earlier in verse 7 and 8, so before Jesus went to Jerusalem, he was in Bethany, which is a town not too far from Jerusalem. And he's back at the house of Mary and Martha. And they make a dinner for him, right? They make a dinner for him. They, they love him. They're some of his closest friends. And um, Mary comes with, with, with perfume. Now, I don't know what kind of perfume you wear, but her perfume that she comes and she pours it on Jesus' feet and then she washes his feet with, with, with her hair and one of the disciples is mad. He's pissed. He's like, man, why did we let her do that? That perfume is worth a year's worth salary. Now, I don't know how much you make a year, but would you spend that money on a perfume? I mean, that, that's some nice uh, Dolce & Gabbana. That's some nice Versace. But she spent a year worth of perfume, of salary, poured it on Jesus. Poured it on Jesus. Mm. I mean, I, I feel like I should talk about tithing right about now. Hey, Amen. Like, like how, how, how many people... Oh, no, Dave, don't, 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 don't stay out of that one. Stay out of that one. Um, but she poured in everything. Now, if it was your brother that had passed and he brought him back after four days, would you feel that the perfume is too much? Your brother that you love? No. But... Judas, he was mad. And but John tells us the reason Judas, and Judas says, oh, we could have used it for the poor. But John tells us, no, nah, no, nah, it's not because he really was concerned for the poor. It's because Judas was a treasurer. So if the money would have made it in the, 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 the team's uh, bank, then Judas would have taken his hand on him because he was a thief. Because he was a thief. And so 
Now look at what Jesus answered when, when he was asked that, right? When, 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 when Judas made that comment. Verse 7 and 8, he says, Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You will have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Jesus knew that his time to go to the cross was coming. So he's going to Jerusalem and he knows fully well what's about to go down. And, and, and that's what gets to me is that he did it anyways. Is that the crucifixion, that wasn't a surprise for Christ. He knew what was about to go down and he did it anyways. He knew the suffering that he was going to go through, but he did it anyways. And, and sometimes we, 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 we know what we should do, but we know that it's not going to end up the way that we want. We know what we should do, but we know that the people that we're doing it for, they're going to be great. You ever did a favor for someone and then they show they're in great? Or, or you're doing a favor for someone, but then it's not exactly right. And then they get on your case because the favor you're doing them is not exactly right. How does that make you feel? Like, like, like you're, you're, you know, somebody's broke. Okay, so, so I had this thing, right, um, years ago. I go to Publix, and somebody's begging. I don't, okay, you know what? I don't know, maybe I just came from church, so the Holy Spirit is still very close in my heart. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Come with me, and we'll buy something. So there we go, we go buy, and I say, okay, how about, no, 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 I don't like, what you mean you don't like? You're getting a favor, now you're picky. You know, you ever heard the, the saying, beggars can be choosers? But they did their picky. And, and, then, and then I'm starting to get, you know what? I'm about to jet. Like, you're, 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 you're getting a favor, take it. And, and sometimes that's how we feel. We feel like you know you should do right, but you know that the answer is not the one that you, you're gonna get, that, that you deserve. And, and Jesus knew it, but he did it anyways. There's a American educator, um, Ken Keith, and he wrote, and you, you, you've probably heard it before, he's, he's called the Paradoxical Commandments, and he says, it goes like this, people are illogical, unreasonable, self-centered, love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish ulterior motives, do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies succeed anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest men and women with the biggest ideas can be shut down by the smallest men and women with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. People favor underdogs but follow only top dogs. Fight for the underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. 
People really need help, but may attack you. If you do help them, help people anyway. Give the world the best you have, and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. Now, I don't know much about this author, but that expresses the Christian ethos. That expresses the Christian mindset where Christ came and he knew that they were going to reject him. They knew he knew that they were going to insult him. They knew that they were going to beat him to a pulp, but he did it anyways. And he did it for who? He did it for Dave. He did it for Evis. He did it for us because otherwise we could not make it. And that's the thing where they know that he is the king that comes in the name of the Lord. And you got to understand what that means. That means that he is the one that is chosen by God to be sent and be the savior of humanity. And a lot of times you hear people say, yeah, but all religions lead to God. No, no, no. All religions make you feel about your, good about yourself, but they cannot get you to God because the weight of your sin is too heavy. The weight of your sin is too heavy. If you murder someone, it doesn't matter how many people you heal as a doctor, do you have to pay for that one crime? And we all have a tremendous amount of crimes that we did, like we cannot count them. And Pastor DeRose preached this morning, and he said, your sins, they have to be paid for. Somebody gotta pay for your sin. And there's only two people that can pay for their, your sins. Or, no, I think that back. Only two people that can be responsible for your sin. One is you, and one is Christ. If you are responsible for your sins, guess what? You cannot pay for them yourself. So, so it's a wrap. But if you understand, and, and that's why I like the French better than the English. The English, they call the, the holiday the Easter. I don't know what that means. In the scripture, it's Passover. Why? Because in that time, with Christ on the cross, that meant that God's judgment would pass over you. Like it did to the Hebrews in, in Egypt, they would kill the lamb and put the blood on the post. So when the angel of death would come, he would see the blood on the post and say, oh, I'm not touching the people in this house. I'm going to the next house. So he's going to pass over. And then so when Christ died on the cross, when the judgment of God comes, if you have Christ in your heart, the, 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 the judgment of God comes and sees the blood and says, I'm going to touch, I'm not going to touch him. I'm going to pass over him because he has the blood of the lamb. Nobody else did that. Who did that? Who else is paying for your sin? That's all I want to know. All I want to know is the bill that you have, who's going to pay? You know when you go to the restaurant and you have a party and there's a whole group, the, the waiter, the waitress is coming and she's asking, who's paying? Is it one bill or separate bills? Now there's some restaurants out there, let me, let me tell you, you can't afford it. You can't afford it. That's when you say one bill is his bill. Because if you got to pay for it, you're going to be washing dishes. Amen. Sin is that type of bill. It cannot be multiple bills, only one bill. So my question for you is, who's paying the bill? Who's paying the bill? My bill is paid by Jesus Christ. There's a, um, a Christian group down here, they sing a Christmas song. Um, 
It says, it's called How Many Kings. It says, lowly and small, the weakest of all, unlikeliness hero wrapped in his mother's shawl. Just a child in this, who is this who we've waited for? Because how many kings stepped down from their, home, their thrones? How many lords have abandoned their homes? How many greats have become the least for me? How many gods have poured out their hearts to romance a world that has torn, torn all apart? How many fathers gave up their sons for me? It's only one who did that. That's Jesus. All the others, they didn't do it. You know, I told myself I try to stay away from politics. But let me get in a little, little, just a little bit politics. Just a little bit. You know why I'm not worried about climate change? I'm not worried about climate change, not one bit. And the reason I'm not worried about climate change, not one bit, is because the proponent, the people that are telling us climate change is a problem, the earth is going to end, they travel in private jets. And if you know how many gas private jets do, I ain't got worried about my car if you're flying a private jet. When we want to save gas, we carpool. But these guys, when they go to the climate conference, they don't jet pool. They all go with their own separate private jets. And then they buy million dollar mansions by the water. If water rise is a problem, why are you buying a house by the water? When you stop buying houses by the water, then I'm gonna be concerned. I live, I live in West of the land. I'm not by the water, so I ain't worried. So they have all that money and they tell you what to do, but how many actually step down for those places of riches and say, I'm going to come and I'm going to live amongst you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to, I'm, what you're going through, I'm going to suffer with you. There's nobody. There's not, not, not many. The only one, not the only one, but one that I do know, the people who do that are the missionaries. And there was a story of this model. She, she was a model. She was, you know, making money and whatnot. And she received Christ. And at some point, her husband said, you know what? You have more than your beauty to give to the world. And she wanted to do something. And she saw on the, on the, on, on the, on the news, on, on, not on the news, on TV, one of those commercials for the kids, the poor kids in Mongolia. And she said, okay, you know, maybe I'll go to Mongolia. But Mongolia is kind of far. So somebody told her, well, you know what? You don't need to go all the way to Mongolia. There's a country right there that's, that needs help. And the name of that country is Haiti. So she went to Haiti. That was years ago. Not now. Don't go to Haiti now. It's not, not right. But that was years ago. So she went. And the night she went and visited Cite Soleil, like one of the big hoods in Haiti. And she said she felt at home. They told her, okay, it's time to go. We're going to go back to the hotel. She says, no, I don't want to go to the hotel. I want to stay right here. This is where I belong. So now you have this, um, this lady, and she was white, in the midst of Port-au-Prince slums and pouring her heart out for the people. That is an example of Christ. That is an example of Christ where, yes, she could have just, you know, write a check, and, and send to whatever charity and be nice. She was, 
living in Aspen, Colorado, nice community. Her, lawyer, her husband was a high-profile lawyer making money. But she decided, you know what? I'm going to leave all of that, and I'm going to live amongst the poorest of the poorest. And then she built an orphanage. And then as she built an orphanage, other orphanages said, hey, do you want to take our orphanage over? And now she started managing different orphanages and bringing the hope of Christ in those situations. And you can see those people who embody what Christ has done because they're disciples of Christ. And then so you have Lazarus, the Pharisees, Jesus, and then you have the disciples. Verse 16, it says, At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the disciples are not the ones with the palms, right? They're not the ones celebrating. They're the ones that are with Jesus in the thicker thing. They're the ride or die of Jesus, right? They're with Jesus when everything is fine and they're with Jesus when everything goes back. Those are the disciples. And, but here it says, at the time that it was happening, they did not understand what was happening, right? They didn't put all the pieces together. Only after he was glorified, meaning after he died and rose again, that they started to put things together. And I want to talk to the disciples that are here. You understand that there are things that are happening in your life that you do not know at this moment why they're happening in your life. But I want to tell you that they're happening for a purpose. I want to tell you that when God gets glorified in your life, then you will understand why you had to go through what you went through. They say that the plan of God is not understood looking forward, it's understood looking backwards, right? When you're looking forward, when you're looking forward, you don't understand fully what's happening. But when you're looking backward, you see how God was at work in all those different places, all those different things that you were going through. And those are the disciples. The disciple is the one that clings to God and, and, and that to thicker thin. But there's one disciple that stands out overall, and that's John, the writer of this book. Because yes, the disciples were with Jesus, but when the persecution became too hard, guess what they all did? They all jet. They all gone. They all they all fled, except one. Now we get on Peter's case because he denied Christ three times that night. But it was another disciple. And John, as far as I can tell, was the only disciple that made it to the cross. The only disciple that was at the cross. And John, what we get from him is that he had an intimate relationship with Christ. And his relationship with Christ was so intimate that when Jesus was on the cross, and as the firstborn, he, it was his responsibility to take care of his mother. And obviously, it's kind of hard when you're hanging on the cross. He told John, John, this is your mom. Mom, this is your son. He entrusted his own mother to John because John had an intimate, profound, loving relationship with Christ. And that's the disciples that we want to, to be. And my question for you tonight, this afternoon, is which one are you? Which one are you? Are you like the Pharisees, ready to stab people in the back, ready using God for your own purposes? Or are you like Lazarus that reflects 
the glory of Christ, that reflects the image of Christ. And through your life, if people want to know who Christ is, they can look at you. Or are you like the disciples, the disciples that at the moment they didn't understand, but they keep investing in that relationship with God so that they increase in their knowledge of Christ? Or are you like John? And John, and Washington, you can come, we're closing. John is the one who invest, who's investing in Christ in the intimacy, right? He is close. He's the one that made it to the cross. He's the one, and he's the, the, the only disciple that made it to the cross, and he's the first disciple that made it to the tomb. The, the ladies made it first, but of the disciples, John is the first one that made it to the tomb. And my prayer for you is that that would be you. That you would be, whatever goes down, that you're with Christ. And when you look at what's happening in this world, it, it's tough. Just this, this week, we had... Christians being shut down because they were Christian. The media is not talking a lot about it. They're not even calling it a hate crime. Right? They're putting the attention on other aspects of it. But they shut down Christians because they believe in Christ. It's not impossible that that would happen to you. But you know what? I would take Christ any day over anything this world has to offer. Amen. And my prayer is that you would do the same. God bless you.